Welcome to the MMA Road Show, episode number 176. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me. Hello. Wow, that was nice. We are in <laughs> Las Vegas. We are at the Casa de Cold Coffee, and I got to say right now, I don't think any place in Vegas should have the word cold in it right now. It is I I was just, hot. I was just thinking, I was like, man, it doesn't feel cold in here. Literally, dude, I've been running around. I had some errands to run. I had some different work things to go do. I was at the Palms for the uh, the Contenders Brazil weigh-ins. Yeah. I went over to the Performance Institute uh, to do an interview with Yana Kuniskaya. Uh, and then I came over here to work a little bit and to take the podcast. And I'm telling you, we are at that time of the year in Las Vegas where just – Humans should not live here, man. Like yeah. this is at this time of year, there should be a mandatory evacuation because it ain't. It just ain't right right now. No, oh, it's super super hot, and and we're supposed to be in our monsoon season, whatever the hell that is. So we're getting more rain than we normally we do. do. So then we get a little bit more humidity. But yeah, it's brutal right now. And couldn't uh, sky man, she'll heat it up too, boy. Wow, just getting right into just it. Just getting right into it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, nah, man. It's uh, it, it is funny. It's uh, all the Brazilians are in town for, and not that it's not cool in Brazil, but they're all in town for the Ultimate Fighter Brazil, and uh, and they're just like, dude, how do you how do you deal with this? I'm like, yeah. man, this is this is the part of the year that even us in Las Vegas are like, bro, it's it's time to be done. Like, yeah. it's 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 get hot. This over with. Yeah, I see your interview already. I, I happen to do a little search and see it on MSN, so people don't know how the stuff Whoa, goes on the MSN. So, yeah, adjusted. MSN uh, video. Yeah, it's already up in the system and. Uh, Look at that. There she is. Where is that shot at? That was inside the Performance Institute in the media holding room, but I turned it the other way. So that's the... Yeah, I don't recognize that Literally artwork. set at the same table that you and I sat at with... Mm-hmm. Uh, Zapato. Yeah. That was terrible. Shoe face. Shoe face. Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, pretty cool stuff. I mean, might as well tease that, right? It's not going to... We're not going to play it on the podcast, but it's going to be coming out. Yeah. Um, some fun. Antonio Carlos Jr. Yeah. came in. Um, we're starting to develop a little bit better communication with the people at the PI, so we kind of know when athletes are coming in town. Uh, and Antonio Carlos Jr. came in for a meeting with Dana White. Actually, he was only here for a day. Um, just kind of wanted to talk to Dana about, you know, his future and kind of, you know, from what I understand, not a lot of contract negotiations, just, you know, kind of strategic discussions and that sort of thing. And while he was here, he was kind enough to do a little bit of instructional video for mm-hmm. us. And mm-hmm. then uh, you had a cool idea of, Sitting him down and having to watch one of his old fights and kind of talk us through his old fights and, and uh, you know, one fight in particular, kind of what he sees, what he remembers, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So, I don't know, kind of an experimental piece that will be up on yeah. MMA Junkie soon and hopefully people dig it. Um, so, once you see it, uh, give us some feedback and uh, we're going to try to do more stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of fun, you know, just for the fact that, you know, uh, getting a fighter's perspective on a fight. And it wasn't even, like, I think the greatest fight, but, you know, it did, uh, you know, we're pairing the interview and watching the fight with these techniques that they're showing. Mm-hmm. So this was just one of the the latest installments of him actually being able to use uh, the move in a fight and what was interesting, because I wanted to get his take about it, because it wasn't like one of the ones, like the Marshman fight was him against the striker. Uh, I'm trying to think who he, who he fought after that, but he still got to finish after that. But the spice lead was jujitsu and jujitsu, you right. know, so th- it made sense that, you know, having a jujitsu Jiu-Jitsu guy talk about, you know, a jiu-jitsu fight, you know, what played out to be a jiu-jitsu fight. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of cool. So, I think it'll be fun. But, yeah, man, it's a, it's a you know, it's a lot of fun to kind of do some different little things. It's a, it's a bit of a, a, a more of a bear on the edits and stuff, but uh, it's a lot of fun. But I think people are going to dig it because I think anytime you get the, the fighter talking about the fight and getting his emotion is a lot better than a couple of knuckleheads like us yeah. talking about what we thought about the fight. Yep. So I think anytime we can do that. So hopefully um, 
you know, if we plan it out and, and know when these guys are in there, and he seemed to have a, a pretty good time doing it. His English was outstanding. You know, he kept saying, oh, he was apologizing for his English. I'm like, bro, we haven't had a translator here the whole day. Yep. And you're doing you're doing super well. So um, he's got a future in that sort of thing. I think uh, if Globo and those kind of cats need somebody down the line, you know, I'm not sure how his analytical skills, but being able to uh, take commands in a second language yep. and work it for the for for somebody shooting, uh, I thought he did a really really good job. So I think people will uh, dig it. So hopefully the series. Um, something different, you know. I, I like it. I think it. we're going to try to do more of it, you know, trying to just do different stuff. Um, it's kind of a twofold thing, right? I mean, we yeah. want to do more technique stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, we had toyed around with it before, talked about it, and, and the thing was, uh, you know, we wanted to make sure it was kind of fighters and, and people, you know, not not necessarily yeah. just trainers. We had some some content that was given to us that was like, here's how to throw an elbow or here's how to throw a yeah. kick or whatever. Nothing wrong with it, but I'd rather have these identifiable right. athletes, you know, teaching us stuff, especially right. if it's moves they've used. That's and even that's better. It. Yeah. And that's why this, you know, kind of going through and showing, you know, the way he applied the rear naked choke and, and what strategy he was using. And um, I don't know. I mean, I know some people probably don't – I mean – some people probably just watch just as fans of sport. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm watching a football game, I don't necessarily need somebody to give me a technique drill on how the lineman down blocks on a screen. You know what I mean? But, but, I don't know. Some people, I think it might be kind of cool to see that. Heighten, you know? You know, I think in MMA, you know, you yeah. kind of heighten your knowledge a little bit. So, yeah. anyway, it's like you said, it's going to be tough because we are at events a whole lot. Um, but what we're going to try to do is just take take more advantage of uh, being in Las Vegas and being yeah. able to use that institute. Because the other thing is, too, like we talked about doing it with our home gyms, you know, the gyms that are here. Right. But, man, you don't want to go back to the well like a million times on those guys yeah. and, and feel like you're using them up. You know what I mean? Right. So if people are rotating through, and, and, we can do that. And, you know, say say something comes out with one of the fighters and he does something really stupid. And then we, of course, have to report it. And then a gym's like, why'd you do this? Why'd you cover that? That's true. You know, so there's, there's a fine line. I think it's one thing if you go, um, but uh, there's things you have to kind of watch – the you know am i getting something for this that they might expect something in the end you know and that's one of those things that you know i think it's you know i don't think it's usually a problem but it's one of those things to you know you kind of it's just human nature you know if some gym's like oh i open up my doors to you 30 times this year and then a fighter does something stupid and i ask you know because they could they would probably say can you not do something yeah I can't not do I've, it. I'll be Sorry. honest with you. I've, you know? I've lived through that, man. Uh, I was in, and Lord knows I need to get my ass back in the gym. I'm 40 years old now, and I need to get in there. You know, I got the gym right here, the boxing gym. Oh, uh, yeah, but it's hot outside. Uh, <laughs> it is super hot in there, too. But no, you know what, man? I was supposed to go work out at, uh, at Vandalay Silva's gym. You know, I was yeah. Vandalay was always great to us at MMA Junkie. Yeah. Um, and, and was going to go start working out at his gym when all the drug stuff happened. And, all uh, the, and, yeah. and honestly, it was literally like the exact same week, and I was yeah. like, I can't show up there. Like yeah. that's going to be totally awkward and ridiculous, yeah. you know. So it is weird. You know, you know, you don't want to get too close. You don't right. want to get too close where you can't, you know, re- re- uh, report on things accurately. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but all that just to say, we shot some different stuff this week. Hopefully, people dig it. So when you see it on the website, definitely reach out and let us know. And also say that it's hot. We are sitting uh, down on Thursday night as we always do to record the podcast. Do you know what today is? Well, I mean. Thursday, Thursday? Today is a lot of things. It is Thursday. <laughs> no, today is the 10-year anniversary of John Jones making his UFC debut. Wow. August 9th, 2008. Now, I know most people probably listen to this on Friday after we get it all edited, but as we're sitting down, it is 
the 10-year anniversary of John Jones versus Andre Guzmao at UFC 87. I was actually going to sit down and do a uh, an MMA Junkie Memories video like I did with, with Anthony Smith uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. to talk about the story, but I'm not going to lie. It, I enjoyed a couple of days off, man. It's been a rough, it's been a rough yeah. stretch for the MMA Junkie crew, and it ain't getting any easier for the yeah. next ten days. Well, I think Nanda wanted to do a little one too, so it might be good to give you a break and let her throw one out I there. I think so, but too. so I did want to tell. Can, can I tell my story anyway? Then, even though I'm not doing it on I MMA suppose. Junkie memories. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so listen, this is this is a funny story. So, uh, and I, I've told it before, but on a ten year anniversary, I thought it definitely made sense to tell it again. But uh, you know, I'd heard that that John Jones was um, going to be a badass. He had only been around a little bit, and uh, but I, so, uh, some people had reached out to me and said, "Listen, man, this dude is the man. You definitely he's going to be something. You want to talk to him before his debut? Cool, man." So I set up a phone interview with him. Did the phone interview with him, and uh, it went good. You know, it went well. I mean, just I didn't know much about the guy other than a little bit of tape that I'd watched, but um, but went good. And uh, then the absolute worst nightmare for a journalist, uh, the phone recording, the file of the audio recording that I did corrupted as I was moving it from the recorder to the computer. And I, <laughs> I, could, I remember you telling yeah, me that. Yeah, and I couldn't recover it. I mean, it was just gone. Like, everything I tried, like, it was just something that had corrupted with the data, and it's gone. And then at that point, I had a decision. I was like, well, I can either just not write anything and maybe the dude never even notices that it doesn't go up on MMA Junkie. I was like, or I can call him back and just be honest and be like, dude, I'm an idiot and sorry this got ruined. Can we do the Can we do the interview again? So ultimately, I was like, well, I mean, I, I do like what I see in this kid and I heard he's pretty good. So, um, you know, let me reach out to John Jones a second time and be like, hey, bro, I'm sorry. Like that first interview totally just – gone i can't there's there's no audio would you mind doing another interview and i reached out and he was like sure bro no problem let's do it right now so we we, we did the interview again which i always thought was super cool of him you know again obviously he's turned into one of the biggest superstars in the sport um so to think that you know nowadays if i had to call him back and ask if we could redo an entire interview i don't know if it would go over quite so well but uh, I, I I did think it was pretty cool. And it was funny. As long I, as you're not Luke Thomas, I'm sure he would have done oh, it again for you. <laughs> that was a fun reminder being back in L.A. this past week because it was in that same was venue that where John was like, I don't like you, Luke, so I'm not answering your question. Uh, no, but I went back and found the article, too, that I wrote. Uh, from th- this published on July 31st, 2008, so 10 years ago on MMA Junkie. The title was Less Than Four Months Into MMA Career, John Jones Ready for UFC 87 Debut. Now, he had made it to the UFC in four months. I mean, think wow. about that. He went 6-0, and uh, racked up fights real quick, made it to the UFC. So we're kind of meeting the guy and, uh, you know, trying to find out what he was all about. And I thought this, this, this quote was great. And, and some people will probably remember this, but I'm sure a lot won't. I went to a two-year college, a junior college, Jones said. I got my associate's degree. But I was definitely planning on going and getting a higher degree in criminal justice. My ultimate goal was to be a police officer. What? <laughs> I think I remember him saying that before. Oh, man. I th- it, it was. I had kind of forgot. I, he, and he had talked about over the years yeah. he, that he'd want to be a police officer. But that reminder of me that he wanted to be a police officer. I mean, in light of everything that he's had to deal with over the years. Pretty, That's funny. Pretty funny. That's funny. You know what else happened on this day in history? I don't I'll give you a few little ones that I pulled up thanks to the interwebs. 
uh, last night and today was actually sort of one of the days that happened in the middle of the night. Uh, the Manson cult killed five people. This is when the the actress Sharon Tate was murdered. Okay, that's not the very route very I was deep. Thinking of going. No, no, no. And uh, another one. Uh, Nixon left office. Left office, and uh, Gerald Ford got. Uh, Sworn in okay. today. Okay. That was okay. in 1974. The Manson uh, murders were 1969. Uh, and even worse, and this is, I guess, this really is a very gloomy day. Related. This is a total oh. gloomy day. This is also the day that the atomic bomb was dropped on Nagasaki in wow. 1945. So, so this just, day is like a just, really shitty day in history. Wow. John Jones made his debuts. It's not a shitty day. <laughs> yeah, but. Upset Andre Guzman. And Jerry Garcia died in 1995. Wow. That's That's the worst of the bunch. Do, do they not keep up with good things at the site you're looking at? <laughs> this is from uh, the History Channel. Oh, the History Channel is dark. I guess they don't really uh, say much. Uh, yeah, there's actually no highlights of anything really. Uh, Romans routed at Adrian. Uh, oh, come on. I they know. don't know that that happened this on August 9th. This was in the year 9th. 378. There's no way they know <laughs> that happened like a, on August 9th. There's an old scroll somewhere. Come on. <laughs> we found this somewhere. Like it was chiseled in a wall that it was August 9th. <laughs> the fuck out of here. That ain't right. All right. Well, yeah. This news brought to you by history.com. Very MMA related. They're not. <laughs> All right, well, listen, uh, we didn't get to do an and a half this past week just because, to be honest with you, I was physically and mentally exhausted by now. I mean, we talked about it last week, but uh, I think by now the reality set in with everybody. Our our fearless leader is, is with us no longer, and it's uh, it's been an adjustment period. Uh, on top of that, um, <laughs> Simon Samano and Matt Erickson, God bless them both, have vacations this week, so it's a little bit of a hectic week, but uh, I, was, I was just mentally exhausted. So we didn't get to talk about it, but... I never like to, you know, when it's this far past the card, spend too much time on it. But I did want to talk to you about Henry Cejudo versus Demetrius Johnson, first of all. Um, I'll be honest with you. I scored it that night for Henry Cejudo, and I've gone back and watched it. And I still score for Henry Cejudo. I'm okay with Demetrius Johnson winning as well. I, I really am. I think the rounds were close. Um, mm -hmm. I think for the most part it comes down to how you saw round two. But you know what I've come to realize this week is that I think the fight was scored okay but it's just a damn shame for a historic streak like Demetrius Johnson's to end on a fight like that, that was so close, that wasn't convincing. You know, I think I think Henry Cejudo did enough to win by the by the rules and the scoring system of the of the unified rules of mixed martial arts, but it didn't convince you that like, oh my God, that's the best in the world. You know, I yeah. I, I mean, hell, we talked about it going in, right? You said, listen. I think the way you beat Demetrius Johnson is you lay on him. Like, you yep. you have to just basically hold him and, and so that he can't score any points. Yep. And that's kind of what Cejudo did, right? That's totally what he did. <laughs> I mean, this was the first time we'd really seen anybody successfully hold DJ down. DJ has a way of just popping up. I mean, Henry wasn't doing damage. I mean, DJ looked practically unmarked right. like he always does. There's just – he – just has a way of just not looking like he's just fought for 25 minutes in there. Um, but every time I looked up there at the at the screen when I was watching it, you know, Henry was on top. Or Henry was landing a couple shots. Um, DJ, I just felt like he missed more than he, he did normally, and he just wasn't as dominant. He looked... Uh, he just looked out of sorts. It was just a touch off. It was just, just a touch off. It was just off. weird. But when you look at all the stats, I mean... Outside of takedowns, I mean, he had he beat him in total strikes, 110 to 71. These are fight metric numbers. Uh, 68 significant strikes to 47. I mean, that's 
might as yeah, well be about the same. Yeah. But when you look at the control time, it's giving four minutes and 16 seconds, which sounds low for what we saw, to 37 seconds of DJ. And I think it comes down to that those last images that judges see. And when you're finishing rounds out with Henry Cejudo on top of you, it's got to be tough for a I judge agree. just to say, well, you know, he wasn't really doing much damage, you know, but he was still controlling the fact that you couldn't do anything. You know, and at some point, if you can't get up from underneath an opponent or if you can't shake him off, that's kind of like just that's the next step right below him just big brothering you and just pounding you. What that's can you it. do about it? What can you do? Can that's you it. stop this? Can you stop this? You know, if you can't get him off, you know, you're, you're in a sense you're 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 being big brothered. So uh, I don't know. I wasn't upset about it um, by any means. Uh you know, I wouldn't have been sad if DJ got the knob because I thought that Hen I would have equated to the fact that Henry wasn't doing much yeah. while he was in control. Um, but he certainly, every time, you know, because I was editing, even though I was trying to make myself watch it, every time I looked up, he was pushing it and he was somehow getting on top. And the fa fact that he had five takedowns and DJ was never successful getting a takedown, yeah. I think that's another thing that ways in the judge's mind if he would have got some takedowns then the judge would have been like okay i'm willing to just squash the fact that you know henry you know sat on him without doing anything you yeah. know because they both had takedowns but the fact that there were no takedowns notched on uh in the in the stats for for dj i can see where they're just like how can i give you the win if this guy's got five over here i think the other thing too is that like demetrius johnson definitely like his leg kicks were working but I think subconsciously maybe there was something to do with the fact that Cejudo was, I mean, obviously flopping all around that first, that you're like, oh, my God, this fight is over, right? That was so weird. And then the fact that he got his base back under him. Yeah. And I remember watching it. Like, he wasn't checking kicks. He wasn't trying to avoid the kick because he was trying to set up his own counter. So he was yep. basically saying, you know what? I'm going to keep my leg planted. You can kick it all you want. And Demetrius doesn't have those hard, like, digging down Jose Aldo leg kicks. It's more like a little tap and move, tap and move. And I think it's just because he's trying to avoid the counter, which is a smart play. But I think the fact that the way he kicks you in the leg, it's it looks like it hurts, but it's yeah. not those ones that you just hear, like the thud or the whatever. <laughs> whatever Cejudo, that, and Cejudo wasn't moving. And Cejudo yeah. wasn't moving after the first. Now, the yeah. first round he got I was going to say, that, what, oh. that, whatever that kick was oh. that was right behind the knee that, yeah, that literally sent him wobbling. And right behind it. The back of his knee was, uh, like, severely red, mm -hmm. and it almost looked to the fact of – I started thinking, oh, maybe this is why we didn't see him at open workouts. Right. I thought there was maybe something pre-existing. I was right. like, is this why he didn't want to move? But, yeah, whatever kick that is, like, that was just devastating. The fact that literally his muscles just fought him and just literally flared out and just got a wacky because at that point it looked like – when you see uh, somebody like roll over an ankle or something or they don't have any strength and they just couldn't control it, it was like so awkward. And yeah. when you watched it in the, the replay, it was just like, what is going on, you know? Um, so, yeah, those definitely the kicks were doing stuff, but, man. But I think after Suhuda got his base back, I think judges probably gave DJ less credit for the kicks over the over the yeah. next couple of rounds because it didn't look like it was bothering him as much. You right. know? So, I don't know. I, I – I don't and hate the scoring, but I wouldn't hate it with the other way. Maybe they were hurting less as well because he had the foot injury. Yeah, he as said well. today that it didn't break, but it was obviously badly swollen. Yeah. It was hurt. So, I, I just, I think you got to run this back, man. You got to do the trilogy fight right away. I mean, so who knows coming out saying, you know, I want to go to thirty-five and. Again, I, I I don't like the idea of of Cejudo going up to thirty five right now. I mean, if Dillashaw wants to come down to twenty five, 
then maybe, and I'm sure that's more appealing to him because he wants the two-belt thing, but if Dillashaw doesn't come down to 25, then, you know, assuming DJ heals up okay, you got to do the trilogy fight right away. I know Cejudo's looking for other options, but yeah. you got he, – he owes it. I mean, you well, take a streak that long yeah. and you edge him out by the slimmest of margins. Like, come yeah. on, man, you got to do it again. Yeah, it just – I guess a lot of times when you when you want to see something run back, it's – it's nice when there's a little heat there, when there's a little embers kind of going, you know. They're like, ugh, they were under each other's skin. And, right. man, he got me that first time. There's, There wasn't much heat about this, you know. And even the fact that maybe, you know, DJ, I wonder how excited he even was for it. You know, I didn't feel, you know, I mean, but I think that's just kind of been the norm for him. You know, it's just another day in the office. You know, he doesn't need to have a lot of anger to go in there and prove to these guys that he's the best in the world. You know, so when the thought of him coming back, yeah, it's it's almost now it's just like out of, well, you did so good for the division, yeah. I honor is I'm bound by honor to give you a rematch, sir. You know, whereas you but know, it wouldn't sell. It wouldn't sell. I just, you know, right. it bare. I mean, it was the co-main event of a fight that actually had heat. Yeah. You know, like that one, I'd almost rather watch a three-peat of that than to watch. A repeat of this one. Really? Even though it's 2-0 with two Even knockouts for Dillashaw? Just, just for the fact that At Cody, least those dudes come out swinging like hell swinging. and they hate each other. They come out swinging. They don't like each other. They have Gosh. heat. And there was that moment. you know, I, And there was the moment in the first fight when they just stood and they were just trading and banging and Cody was able to knock TJ on his ass. But right. TJ recovered and then dealt it back to him. This time it didn't happen, so it made you wonder. Well, what changed there? You know, was it something better in the preparation of Dillashaw's side? Was his chin just better today? You know, but there's still that possibility of that it could happen. You know, that power is still going to be there for sure. Cody. So I still feel like he has a better chance of getting one back. Whereas this, uh, I don't want to call. I don't want to well, say it felt like a fluke. Then, what do you do with DJ fluke. then? It, it sucks because you know now, uh, you know. Now that the whole run for 20 defenses and all other kind of stuff's done, I would think that he wants he would maybe now start exercising the idea of maybe let me go up and you know feel a different division. He doesn't have the the you know the pressure, but again that would be stepping away from getting this belt and all this other stuff. But it's just not ex it's it's not exciting. You want to build that as a rematch. I mean, when there was there wasn't really heat there, and then try to throw it as a main event somewhere. I just don't see anybody else, you know, getting a lot of heat. You you almost feel like you'd want to stick it again with another big fight, and you know, and then you know you don't want to put two title fights on a non pay per view. And I just don't see this them wanting to to rush to throw this that rematch back on another pay per view. I can't so. say that you're wrong with that, man. I was gonna say, I, I mean, a fight night card. <laughs> to put on a right. fight night card, but get, or maybe, I mean, maybe a. Uh, 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 first part of next year, as soon as you kick over to ESPN Plus, ESPN like that's a, to, like, hey man, we're giving you the flyweight title fight yeah. on ESPN Plus, and those are good representatives for the sport. I mean, that would make sense because ESPN doesn't have to worry about, even though they probably maybe want a little bit of the bad right. boy flavor. Um, they have two guys here that are good representatives for the sport. That you know, kind of like when Fox had to come out, uh, JDS and uh, Kane right. were great representatives. Yep. You know, like these are two guys. That maybe are a little bit more palatable to whoever, but I mean, if mainstream it's on ESPN, America, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a an Olympic gold medalist versus right. 
like literally the the best the longest dude reigning in the, yeah. champ. You know, I mean, it, it makes a good story, and I could see something like that. But yeah, it's just tough to to think of them. Uh, you know. Sahudo going up to 135 right away. Like, God bless Sahudo, but come on, man. Yeah, and that fight just doesn't really like excite me either. I mean, I think uh, he's got great. His wrestling is, is great. I just think if he had to go up against TJ right now, I think TJ would. Still sounds good. TJ's hands would just be too much for him right <laughs> so now. So good, man. You know, it keeps getting better and better. All right. Uh, yeah. Listen. Um, the rest of that card, I, I should say. We did a pretty good job picking our prelim interviews to talk to, right? Munoz and Johns ended up being an absolute battle. Yeah. And uh, Alex Perez, my God, how good did he look against Boy, Jose he looked Shorty like a Torres? Stud. World beater, man. A dude that told us, you know, he's uh, thinking about retiring a year ago. Now he's 3 0 in the UFC and, and looked phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, man, Pedro Munoz looked phenomenal, but Brett Johns showed his heart out there. So it was a fun card, man. UFC 227, other than all the. Drama that surrounded the entire last week. It was a it was a good card, so I enjoyed it. We also enjoyed the uh, the press conference that we that that happened after our show last week. Um, got the Connor announcement. Got the uh, got the the Dana lying to us for a few minutes, but then apologizing for lying to yeah. Then apologizing <laughs> for lying. Uh, got you know a lot of fun. I thought uh, man, I thought you know Vic and Gaethje went going at it, it was fun. Uh, yeah. Adesanya and Brunson going at it, it was fun. Yep. Uh, so a lot of good stuff, and of course, again, we did get the Connor announcement. Uh, no question there, the the bus stuff is front and center in the in the promotional materials, which we knew would happen. Uh, but I, I will say this: Nate Diaz and the way he handled himself, kind of before and after the presser, I guess. Man, I've done some mainstream radio hits this past week, kind of talking to some some uh, ESPN radio stations and Fox Sports radio stations and that stuff around the country. And I got to say, you know, in, in talking to those hosts and then even, you know, seeing some of the comments online, I feel like people are starting to turn on Nate Diaz a little bit. Not that he's not still incredibly popular because he is. Mm-hmm. He's incredibly popular. But I think people are kind of frustrated with this, you know, I'm not going to – I'm not showing up for the fight. Or whatever. Like, then why did you sign the battle agreement? Yeah. And, and this is what this is what is frustrating to me about it, man. And, and, and look, Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz, I mean, they are phenomenal phenomenal fighters they're fun they're great to cover they're superstars so i'm not taking away anything from all that but you know nate diaz talking about man the ufc's got to promote me better they've got to promote me better yet here you are saying i'm not going to that fight so i don't get it i mean you, you how was the ufc supposed to say yeah, yeah yeah don't worry bro we'll commit millions of dollars in 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 effort to you while you're sitting here saying that you're not yeah. even a show and even for your fans man yeah. those tickets at madison square garden are wolf not tickets. cheap, man. <laughs> They're all a bunch of wolf tickets. The wolf tickets. tickets are not cheap, man. They are not cheap at Madison Square Garden. The operating costs in that venue are are massive. So, I mean, if you're a fan, like, if you're a fan right now, now, if you're some rich dude that it doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Cool, whatever, you're yeah. good. But if you're some dude that's like, oh, man, Nate's my boy, and, and, and man, I want to go to a show at Madison Square Garden, but I don't know if I should buy tickets or not. Like, yeah. How do you know? If he's sitting here telling the world, I'm not going to show up. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like it's kind of counterproductive. They're saying, we're not getting promoted enough. We're not getting promoted enough, or at least Nate's saying that right now. But how is the UFC supposed to promote you if they're not even, I mean, yeah. 100% sold that you're going to be there? You know, my initial thinking was the fact that they withheld information because they knew they couldn't trust him to tell him. 
I bet he probably asked, hey, you know, I want that Connor fight. And they probably said something along the lines of, Connor's not ready to come back yet. Blah, blah, blah. He's not ready to come back yet. You might be right. And uh, they could never tell him that he's already booked. And they would definitely never tell him whoever because he would walk right out of the fucking meeting yep. and say, hey, guys, I tried to get this fight, but they fucking booked him against so-and-so. What's that shit, you know? So I guarantee that when they announced it, he took it. And I'm not sure if they actually even verbalized it or maybe he, whatever words were said, he took it as a slap in his face like they withheld it from him. For him to leave like that, I feel like he felt disrespected that he wasn't one on that card, um, which could have been an option as well. Um, but I just feel like he felt like they withheld something from That's him. That's a good point. And so I think he was just pissed off about that. It's a good point because I know? thought I did find it confusing they stormed off stage and yeah. I was like – I thought maybe, like, when the promo started playing, he thought that was going to be the main event for Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And he didn't want to be the co-main to Connor. But then, you know, you and I were talking, and you were saying, no, he probably did want to be the co-main event to Connor. Yeah. You know, because if somebody falls out, then maybe he slides right in. Right. But, I, yeah, that's a good point, man. I hadn't thought about it that way, that maybe they were like, hey, dude, do you want to fight because Connor's not ready? Connor's not ready. Right. That's not a bad, that's I, not a bad point. I just – I don't know, man. I, I feel like some people are starting to turn them on. I wish he would just. Uh, I'm gonna go in there whip everybody's ass. Not I'm not showing up or whatever. I don't. I, you know, it's just frustrating to me. Well, I, it would just be better if he actually clarified why he's upset, and that's the thing he doesn't. He just leaves these cryptic shit. Right. So everybody makes up their own mind, and half the people could be completely wrong, and think that oh, he's just running another fucking tantrum. But he might have a clear like legitimate legitimate point. reason why he feels screwed. But he also was just like, Well fuck you, I don't need to tell you why, but just trust in the fact when I say this, whatever, you know, I maybe it's better it's a good point. You know, that he, he just rather let us imagine what's going on instead of take the time. I mean like um you know they you know, love the dudes. They've never been known to be have long press conferences explaining all the bullshit that's going on. You know, they give these cryptic whatever uh, messages. But uh, yeah, I mean, it it would it would go a long way for him to come out. I mean, even when the, you know, when he's up there and he said something about the lawsuit. You know, like I don't know what y'all been hearing, but they didn't tell you I was in a lawsuit or something. Right. It's like, why are we not hearing more of this shit coming out? You know, yep. until these random moments, you know? So uh, that's just what my, my my gut was telling me, that he probably felt slighted that they had been telling him whatever he needed to make to get him to sign on his own dotted line. I like your theory. You know, dangling a carrot, and then to have them uh, walk away, and they are probably like, whatever. I like your theory. You I know? like your theory. All right, let's talk about somebody else that uh, has been known to ruffle a few feathers, and that is Colby Chaos. Covington. I hear he's on the uh, president's cabinet now. Uh, is he? Nah, I don't know. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be great. Why not? Everybody else is coming and going. Why not? Throw him <laughs> on there. Uh, well, listen, uh, I did have a chance to, to catch up with Colby Covington this week. Uh, and uh, a pretty good conversation, I thought. You know, I mean, Colby, you know, is always going to drop a line or two. Uh, you know, say the things he he wants to say. You know, you know a uh, a Tyquil Woodley is coming out. You know, uh, uh, what does he call him? A P- Pillsbury Tillboy Till or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you know all that stuff's coming out. Uh, but I don't know. I wanted to kind of find out where he, where his head was at after you know kind of being through the situation where he's being stripped. But at the same time, a couple of days later, he's with Dana White at the White House, so it can't be all bad. And kind of kind of what was going on. So uh, I don't know. I thought it was a pretty good conversation with Colby Covington. So I thought I'd 
play it here. Here is uh, Mr. Colby Covington. Hey, what's going on, John? Hey, Colby, what's happening, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. This still work out for us a good time for you? Yeah, great time. Awesome. Well, let's just start, man. I mean, what's uh, what's the emotion been like for you, man? This has been uh, the best of times, the worst of times, man. You got Dana saying he's going to take the belt away, but I'm guessing he played uh, at least some role in getting you to the White House, which I know is amazing. So, uh, man, it has to have been kind of a, a, an up-and-down couple of weeks for you. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it's only been up for me. I, I don't think about the negative in my life. I just think about the positives. And, uh, you know, I, I did not strip at anything because, you know, that belt, I earned that belt. And the only way you can take that belt, John, is by beating me in the octagon. And there's not a man alive that can beat that, that can beat me. So whether it's Tyco Woodley or Tillsbury Doughboy, I'll be, re- I'll be ready for the winner of that number one contenders fight. And then as far as going to the White House, you know, that's, it's been, unbelievable ride you know everything that i said i was going to do man i remember talking to you john in brazil my second ufc fight i told you i told you john what was going to happen i said hey i'm going to be the ufc world champion you kind of laughed but you were you were going along he's like hey man i believe you i'm like no i'm serious john i'm going to be the world ufc champion in brazil my second fight so (laughs) you know everything that i've said you know i've done man i'm a man of my word yeah, no question about it, man. You've always had that confidence. I, what? Tell me about the White House. I mean, when you were there, I mean, I, man, was there any part of you that, like, had this feeling? Like, I mean, how surreal is this? I mean, you're right, man. You've had this vision. You've had this drive. I mean, you you said you were going to take the belt to the White House. I mean, everything you've promised, you delivered. But, I mean, is there any part of you that while you're there is just kind of having this moment like, holy hell, look at this happening? Yeah, it was, it was definitely an out-of-body experience. I mean, it was the best day of my life, but – when we're waiting in the lobby of the White House, you know, we're seeing these senators like Senator Lindsey Graham, who's going in there to negotiate these huge bills. And then here I am getting ready to go meet the president. So when they walk me in to go see Trump, I'm like, I seen him and I was a little bit like, whoa, man, is this really happening? Like, I got the butterflies like I, I butterflies like I've ever had before a fight. Like, I don't even get nervous for fights. But when I saw Trump, I was so nervous, man. And then and then I shook his hand, and, like, he's huge, man. He's a big guy. Like, he was towering over me, and and he, he was just so cool, man. It's just, like, he didn't have to spend as much time as he did with us, and he legitimately gave us 30 minutes, just bullshitted, told us some funny stories. He likes chicks. He likes wrestling. He likes MMA, and, and he's just telling us stories and just being a regular guy. He's down to earth. He's, he's, he's just a regular guy. That's crazy, man. So, I mean, what what's uh... – I gotta wonder, like, what's life for you now? I mean, you gotta set new goals, right? I mean, you said it, man. You said I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be champ. You said I'm gonna take it, you know, to the White House. You've done all that. Are you like, I'm done now, man? I got nothing else to do. Maybe I need to go do something else. Nah, I've never, I've never been content or satisfied in my life. You know, when I, when I make history and I and I break the boundaries, I want to keep going higher and higher, and I want to keep pushing the limits of of what people think is possible for me. My whole life and my whole UFC career, people have been doubting me. They're telling me that I can't do this. Oh, you're not going to beat RDA. Oh, you're not going to beat Damian Maia. Oh, you're not going to beat Dung Hum Kim. And, and I keep proving them all wrong. So, you know, I still have a lot of things that I want to accomplish. I want to go down as the greatest fighter in the history of this sport. And, and I also want to make a lot of money. I want to make my bank account great again. <laughs> nice. All right, let's, I mean, what? Okay, let's, let's talk about what happened. I mean, you, you win the belt in June. Uh, you know, everybody's excited for you. You, you. you got the title, and now we're looking forward to this unification fight, man. I mean, you and Woodley have been going back and forth. Uh, stylistically, it's a good matchup. I mean, everybody's pumped for it, right? Um, and then you basically you, you couldn't do it or you weren't ready for it. I mean, help me understand, because I know you had some medical procedure done. Um, 
I, I mean, was this required or you just needed a break? I mean, wh- what happened that this thing didn't come together? Yeah, the, the timetable was unreasonable, John. I, you know, I wanted to fight. The only fight I want is Woodley. I, I've wanted Woodley since since long time ago, before Singapore. You remember in Singapore when I was talking to you about Woodley, how he got tired just watching my fight on the couch. So I've, <laughs> I've built this fight for a long time, John. I want this fight more than anything. I want this fight more than I want to breathe. Literally, that's how bad I want this fight. But it was unreasonable timetable. I mean, they asked me to fight uh, six six or seven weeks after. Or they wanted me to fight. When they gave me the notice for the fight, it was six or seven weeks out. And I just fought like four or five weeks before. And I had already set up my – I had to get nasal surgery. So I would already set up surgery. And, and to rush in a camp, like, why are they trying to rush a camp? This fight needs a buildup, man. It needs a 12-week promotional buildup. Let me get out there and show that I can promote and I can market fights and sell fights because no one's selling fights like me, and I know how to do that now. No, These other guys, they don't know how to do that. So, you know, I, I wanted to fight, but I didn't want the date. I, I wasn't able to fight September 8th. There's no way I was going to be ready. You know, I haven't even really got back to training yet. But uh, the UFC, you know, they didn't they didn't make the main event for that pay-per-view in Dallas. So they were scrambling. And they're like, hey, we need a champion to sell this fight because obviously that girls' fight's not going to sell 10,000 pay-per-views, let alone 1,000. So, you know, it, it sucks. You know, they're looking at the short-term goal. The thing is, is that Woodley Till, that's not going to do over 100,000 buys. So I don't know why they're rushing to make that fight. Me and Ty Will, that was going to be a big-money fight. You know, it was a, that was going to be a draw. That's the fight I, I built. You know, I put the hooks in on that and, and that was going to be a couple hundred thousand uh, pay-per-view buys. So it sucks, but, you know, it is what it is. You know, I, now at this time, I'm just hoping Tyrone doesn't fuck this up. That's all I can say to him is, Tyrone, don't fuck this up. I built this. You didn't build this. You sat in Hollywood being a little soy boy making these little straight-to-DVD tapes. So I'm hoping he doesn't mess it up. Yeah, man. I, You know, the whole situation, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? They needed a main event, and, and you weren't ready. And so, I mean, do you feel like – the decision's a little bit emotional. I mean, is there I, – I, not that I'm trying to start anything, but, I mean, is there tension? Because I, I feel like basically the bottom line is they needed a main event. They turned to you. You weren't ready. And so it's almost like punishment to say, well, to hell with you, Colby. If you can't turn around, we're taking this belt from you. I mean, is there – does it feel that way to you? And is there is there frustration or emotion? No. There's, it, to be honest, Sean, it doesn't feel that way. You know, I, I feel like you can't – you can't cry about spilled milk in life. And, and this is just a situation where, you know, they need to do business. And I, I understand what they're doing. They want to make Tyron Woodley fight because he hasn't fought in 13 months, John. He's been sitting on the sideline. He hasn't been doing anything. So, you know, he, he had played his cards and he's like, hey, I want to fight. I want to fight in Dallas. He's trying to rush me in the fight like he did for Damian Maya and he's done for other guys where he tries to get guys on short training camps. But that's not going to happen, man. You're not going to get me on a short training camp where I'm just about to get nasal surgery. And I've needed this nasal surgery for about eight months. This is public knowledge with the UFC, public knowledge with USADA where I had to get – I've been on every antibiotic known to man, amoxicillin, Augmentin, ZPAC, all these different antibiotics that have just drained my body and made me weak and feel like crap. But you know what? I took those fights before because the risk to reward factor. The risk was greater was greater than the reward or the reward was greater than the risk. But now I'm in a position where I can, I can wait. You know, I'm not, I don't need to rush out there and fight. And, and, yeah, I don't get my big fight that I've always wanted with Woodley, but you know what? I got a, the next best thing. Whoever wins the number one contenders fight between Woodley and Till, that's the guy that I get to embarrass next. So, 
You know, everything everything I know is going to work out for me, John. It always has. Since the beginning, it's always worked out. I've said exactly what was going to happen. I was going to, you know, beat this guy in the dump, Damian Maya. I was going to go, you know, deliver the belt to the president. So I'm very uh, – I'm very, I know that things are, this is going to work out for the best for me and, and that a big money fight is going to come out of it. I like it, man. I like it. Can you talk about the nasal procedure? I mean, I got to imagine if there was something that was impacting your, your oxygen or your breathing or something like that, I mean, there's a chance. I mean, this is going to have some, some marked improvement in your in your career, which is crazy because we think about you as a cardio machine already. Yeah, you're going to see a whole different fighter in my next fight than you've seen. I mean, the last two fights, I've, you know, I've had to do inhalers. I've had to do stuff like rinses to get my sinuses just at a, at a, at a breathing level. But – you know, as soon as the doctor had told me, they're like, hey, your bronchial tubes before my last fight, your bronchial tubes are almost closed, man. You're not getting all the oxygen to your lungs. And I'm like, no way. I'm like, I got to fight, though. I, this is, you know, a world title fight. I can't I can't turn this down. I'm not in a position to turn it down at this point. So, you know, before I had all this mucus draining from my nose, I had chronic sinusitis and a deviated septum. So all this mucus is draining from my, from my nose down into my lungs. Wow. And all this stuff coming out of my nose, I'm I'm coughing up mucus. I'm coughing up loogies, and it, it was terrible, man. It was honestly the worst thing I've ever had to deal with in my life, and and that's why I had to take event. I had to take uh, action on it. I had to get the surgery. I had to get the, the septum surgery, and, and I'm already noticing a lot of cleared up mucus and dried up, and and my voice is starting to come back, and the mucus is starting to drain out of my body. So <clears throat> it was it was imperative that I got the surgery, and I come back and fight he- healthy at 100. percent I know, John, that no one fights 100%, but I want to be at least close and, and, you know, at least at a 90% level before I go to my next fight because you know how big the next one's going to be. That's crazy, man, because I, there used to be times where I'd be talking to you before a fight and I thought you were sick. Is that what it was? That's exa- Bro, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> I, never told, I never told anybody. For eight months when I had my voice was all sick and it sounded like, shit, this is what I've been dealing with. So that's why this is a serious thing. This wasn't just like, Oh, you need to take a Claritin, like like Tyron's saying. Oh, motherfucker, you should take Advil. Because remember when you were ducking me in December and the UFC offered you to, to fight me in last December, but you said, oh, I'll fight Nate Diaz or GSP, but I'm not fighting Colby. And then they asked him to fight on the Ultimate Fighter against me. So he wants to come out and say, I need a Claritin. I got a real, legit disease. This isn't just a sickness, on. This was a disease that I had. So, you know, I'm happy to be over it and move forward and, and I can't wait to see what's next by the end of the year. Whoever wins that number one contender fight between Ty Kill, Ty Quill, and Tillsbury Doughboy, that's next on the hit list. Are you uh, Are you going to be in Dallas? I mean, do you think you want to come out and watch that cage side, or does it even matter to you? Uh, you know, to be honest, it doesn't even matter to me. Uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep getting better, keep improving out here, and uh, you know, I gotta. I'm still on my victory tour. I'm taking this belt to Fort Bragg. I'm gonna take it back up to this uh air force and army base up in, in virginia and and i'm gonna enjoy this victory lap man i'm still the world champion of the world you can't take that away that that's a moment in history that i earned I, you know i just became the first mma fighter to ever go to the white house and you know i'm gonna i'm gonna soak up all these accomplishments that i've earned you know i'm still young and there's still a lot of things ahead that i want to accomplish but right now i'm gonna enjoy this moment and uh i can't wait to see what's next Nice. What do you do with the belt when you're not traveling it around? Do you have a, a display case for it at home, or do you take it to the gym? Or I mean, where does, where does that bad boy sit when you're not out traveling with it? Well, it was sitting in American Top Team's gym. Dan Lambert put it in the case over at American Top Team, so right when you walk in, it, it, it's on display. But we gave 
to Trump, which, by the way, when I gave it to Trump, he tried to give it back to me. And I was like, no, Mr. President, this is your belt. You're the champion of the people. I'm leaving this world championship. I'm the world champion of the UFC welterweight division. But you, sir, are the champion of the people. So this belt is for you. And he was laughing so hard. And he was smirking. <laughs> he was like, no way, Cole. No way, champ. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. So I left the belt with Trump over in the Oval Office. Very cool. Very cool. So, all right. So, you you know, I mean, you're probably next in line. But, I mean, do you, would you stay busy? I mean, you've called out Nick Diaz before. I mean, are there big money fights if for some reason that something popped up on your radar that you would say, you know, I'll take this big money fight in the meantime? Or are you sitting back and, and waiting for that Woodley Till fight and then, you know, let's let's get this done? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I know I'm the greatest Walt Twitter of all time. You know, there's some people who have been saying rumblings that GSP is the greatest of all time. You know, he, he beat a bunch of guys that were weak during his day. The, the, it, the competition level wasn't that high. So, you know, he's a little Serb-sucking su- Canadian. And, uh, you know, if he wants something to say, he said he wants to fight in Toronto, we can get it going in Toronto. You know, I can send him into retirement in a good way against the biggest name in the game, Colby Chaos Covington, guys that's making headlines and doing things that no fighters have ever done. So, you know, I got my eyes on a couple guys that, that I could – uses a warm-up before I beat up Tyke Will or Tillsbury Doughboy, and that's Nick Diaz, GSP, or the Connor Khabib winner. I like it. I like it. Let's talk about the Woodley Till fight. I mean, is there a part of you that's that's cheering for Tyron in that one a little bit? Maybe not cheering for him, but as you said, man, you've been setting up that fight for a long time. Um, you know, it looks fun on paper. Is there any part of you that, that kind of hopes he wins that fight so you get it? Or, you know, if Till wins, does that become exciting to you? I never thought I'd hear myself say this, John, but I'm rooting for. I'm a big Tyron Woodley fan. This fight, <laughs> I'm rooting for him. I really hope he pulls it out, man. I really hope he doesn't fuck this up, John. I really, really want to fight him, you know. But you know, we'll see what happens. You know, he hasn't fought in over a year, so he might be a little rusty. I know he's getting a little soft over in Hollywood because he made all that money piggybacking off John Jones and, and Conor McGregor's card. So, you know, you just never know where his motivation lies. He's getting a little older. And on the flip side, you know, you got Tillsbury Doughboy, who's you know loves his cake. He loves to eat his boogers. He's over here, you know, in London. He's you know pigging out like a pig. He can't make weight. He's not even close to championship weight. He's missed weight two out of his six UFC fights, John. So how professional is that? A guy can barely, barely even get close to weight. So he's a catch weight monster. But uh, and you know he was gifted a decision against Wonder Boy. That was home fixing, judging over in London. They gave him that judge's decision. So you know this is a, a fine number one contender's fight. But you know at the end of the day, you know I need Woodley to win so I can unify my belt and, and get the real money fight, and that's against him. So you know I'll be rooting for Woodley. What do you think, man? Uh, before the end of the year, I mean, you mentioned GSP in Toronto. I mean, I, I guess we have to see how the winner, you know, how healthy they are coming out of that fight, but. Um, I mean, are you hoping to get either, you know, one of these big money fights or the, 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 you know, this title fight by the end of the year? Is that a realistic time frame? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that's a realistic time frame. You know, if those guys want to make some money, I don't know if they like money or not, but, you know, Madison Square Garden could be a landing spot. The end of the year card in, in Vegas in uh, the end of December could be a spot. I'm ready. I'll be ready to go as soon as, you know, they get done. I'll be able to go into training camp. So I want a full build up. You know, I want to build this fight, promote it, sell it, and uh, get it on the road. So hopefully none of them gets hurt. But if the winner gets hurt, you know, I got some good options. Maybe Nick Diaz is getting a little broke. You know, I know he's been beating women, and he's going to need some money soon from going to jail. So maybe he'll want to come get his ass whooped on the same card as his little brother, Nate, when he fights my buddy Dustin Poirier. 
Very nice, man. So I, there's options on the table. I, I thought you might be in a bad spot, man. I thought you might be frustrated. I thought you might be angry. But it sounds like, like life is good for Kobe Covington right now. Dude, life is great, John. I'm living the American dream, baby. MAGA, Trump 2020. I just met Mr. President, the greatest living American, the leader of the free world, Donald Trump. So life is great, man. I'm doing everything I said I was going to do. And I'm just getting started. That's the best part, John. I'm just getting started. I'm 30 years young. I got plenty of great years of fighting ahead of me. And I'm excited to show you all the future. Very nice, brother. Well, it's good catching up with you, man. I think we touched on everything, but any other last thoughts, messages, anything you want to make sure that we uh, that we get out there for you? Yeah, don't forget who the real king is in the welterweight division. That's me. I took over. I, I beat the best fighters in the world. Tyrone sat on the sidelines. He gossiped about the Kardashians in Hollywood. Tillsbury can't make weight, and he's getting gifted decisions. So when that number one contender fight happens September 8th, there are, everybody needs to know who the real king is. Well done, my man. Good good talking to you, brother. I'm glad to hear things are going good, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in a big fight before the end of the year, man. All right. Good talking to you, John. Much love, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the May Road Show. That was Colby Covington. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, listen, I know not everybody's a Colby Covington fan, but I thought we got him to kind of lay it out there a little bit. I think, uh, you know, a lot of what we had said along the way about kind of why we assumed he got stripped, you know, the, the, the surgery being uh, deemed a little bit uh, non-necessary, but more of an elective surgery um, by the UFC. I think, you know, that's kind of what, what bared out there. And uh, I don't know, this whole welterweight situation has been crazy, but it sounds like Colby's keeping his uh, keeping his head in the right place. I think he knows he's got some... Uh, some big fights on the horizon one way or the other. So uh, it's a complicated situation. You don't always want complicated in your life, cold coffee. Sometimes you want simple. <laughs> if you wear contact lenses and find yourself dreading that annual appointment to renew your prescription, then you're going to love simple contacts. Mm-hmm. It's a great new company that makes this annoying process very, well, simple. Simple Contacts lets you renew your expired contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of lenses from your phone or computer in just minutes. Simple Contacts brings the doctor's office to wherever you are whenever you need it. You can take the Simple Contacts vision test online in five minutes. Or you can be like me and just tell them you're blind. A real doctor <laughs> reviews it and renews your prescription. You have time. You save time. You save money. And you save yourself a headache. And if you have an unexpired, unexpired prescription, just upload a photo of it or your doctor's info, and order your lenses and minutes for a great price. They do all the hard work for you. This is vision care for the 21st century. Simple Contacts offers brand of lenses, and their prices are unbeatable. Excuse me, every brand of lenses, and the mm-hmm. price are unbeatable. The prescription is just $20, which is ridiculous. Compare that with an annual appointment, which can be up to $250 without insurance. They have some of the best prices on contacts, and shipping is free. Mm. Best of all, our listeners... Get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash road or enter the code ROAD at checkout. And now I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, folks. But it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts and get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash, what's the code? 
road. Road. Or just enter the code road at checkout, silly. Give it a try, and you can thank us later. Thank you, Simple Contacts. Yay. I don't know what that was supposed to be. But we appreciate Simple Contacts. You know what? If you need contacts, we just told you. Go to Simple Contacts. If you want to show love to the show in another way, if you're just happy about what you're hearing, you you, you think we do a good job, mm. what you need to do is you need to go into iTunes, make sure you're logged in there. Make sure you subscribe, first of all. Make sure you tell everybody you know they need to subscribe as well. And if you got a chance, go in there, take a second, give us a little reviewing. Hopefully, you can give us a five-star rating, and you can even leave us some feedback. You could be like your buddy Travo. He says, I listen to a lot of MMA podcasts, but this one is by far my favorite. Very informative and entertaining. I love cracking open a couple of frosty cold ones alongside the host while I listen. Mm-hmm. Would love to enjoy a frosty beverage or two in person at a meetup or something. P.S. Sorry about the bad day, bud. Aww. So Obviously, he chimed in after last week and uh, yeah. you know, gave some love. It was a bad day, but we appreciate it. That's and good uh, shit. here you go, your buddy Trey Rose. Crack <sighs> open a, a frosty beverage. <sighs> See, I, that's right. Let us be the excuse for why you day drink, why you evening <laughs> drink, why you morning drink, why you drink when you shouldn't drink. You know, it's it's good to to put on a little podcast. And and when your significant guys. other asks why you're listening to the road show 24 it's our hours fault. a day, <laughs> it's our fault. <laughs> have you been on a seven day MMA road show bender? <laughs> why, yes, I have, honey. <laughs> I love you. I do want to give a shout out to uh, Ryan Vinoy, uh, one of our uh, the Patreon. We got we got some great Patreon people, and I know we're gonna do some other little things. But right now, <sighs> it's just you guys sort of have been. Just helping us out by putting yes. money that we can use towards the site and other stuff. But Ryan went back and adjusted his his uh, his pledge to an even higher amount. So uh, I wanted to make sure we gave a shout out to him. So we're gonna be sending some uh, we nice do little have things. Patreon and we just haven't been doing what we need to do because life has been hectic. Just stripping, like that's what most people I think do to make just, money. Just yeah, stripping for strip Patreon. Oh, on Patreon? Can yeah. you strip on Patreon? Well, no. Like the, all the like, uh, I see a bunch of. Uh, well, not a bunch, but uh, <laughs> I know of some, you know, people Web that use that as <laughs> that use that as how you can subscribe to their things uh, is by using Patreon and stuff. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I don't. Show well, you're kind of squirming over there. Hey, I know I'm blushing all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we need to be stripping. Maybe if you realize that we shouldn't be stripping and you want to support yeah. the show to make sure that we, <laughs> that we don't, don't start stripping. Because yes. the thunder from down under would never be the same. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, listen, I did want to ask you about a couple things. First of all, Darren Till. Have you seen uh, Darren Till Who? in the news this week? Who? Darren Till? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it gets worse. I don't know why it gets worse every time. I don't think you're liquored up enough. I feel like I, I had it down And I think point. you need to be at a bar where he is across from the bar – He's across the bar, you know, a good 20-some yards so that everybody in between is annoyed. Then it comes out really <laughs> awesome, especially by the fifth or sixth time you do it. You have it totally down. I may not remember everything from that <laughs> night. It comes out really well. But, yes, I believe that he had a good in, time too. in Manhattan <laughs> we may have either made Darren Till feel like a VIP or embarrassed, or the, embarrassed shit the shit out, out of him. him. Uh Either one, he took it in stride. He, he laughed it off, and I think by the end, he was just like, these fucking dudes. <laughs> <laughs> we were quite inebriated that night. Yeah. Uh, yes, he he happened to walk into the wrong bar. Sorry, Darren Till, yep. that's your fault. Uh, but no, he came under fire. You know, he, he did some interviews last week uh, back in the uh, in the media room at the at the fight card. Yep. And uh, the, the, the quote that everybody keyed in on was him saying, 
I was gonna try to do a Daredevil voice, but I can't do it. Was <laughs> yeah. him saying that you know he's 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 you know he's got a, a daughter, but he doesn't care. He's yeah. got a pregnant girlfriend, but he doesn't care. Um, it's about my legacy, and, and that's right. And you were and you were back there. You were watching. It. People yeah. have keyed in on it. And I gotta say, man, uh, and I understand this is like the PC era or whatever, and people key in on stuff. And and listen, fighters just like every other athletes, just like every person on the earth, says dumb things sometimes. Yeah. That didn't strike me as bad. He got a lot of grief for it. Yeah. I thought the guy was just saying, like, listen, there is nothing in life that matters more to me than this career right now. Knowing, not like he's saying, I don't give a shit about my daughter. I don't give a shit about my pregnant yeah. girlfriend. I think, uh, to me, I thought he was kind of uh, a simile or a metaphor. or yeah. a, You know what I mean? Like he's saying. I thought that as well. But then I thought I heard people saying, like, no, he's mentioned it that way before. And he pretty much has meant it. Like, like f them. Yeah. Nah, come on, man. I don't know that. I'm just. I that's. I was hoping it was what you said. That's right. how I initially did it. But I know a, a certain PR member came and grabbed me off to the side and was like, "Hey, can you help me out? What did he say towards the end?" Because I think they were as well. Were like, "Wait a second, is he saying some really, really bad don't shit?" Care. You know, <laughs> Darren, what are you doing here, you fool? <laughs> Uh, go talk to your daughter. Uh, I don't care. Uh, but no, that's why it struck me like, uh, you know, my part of me was like, no, it, I'm clearly hearing him wrong. Like he he wouldn't say such a thing. Yeah. You know, I've never seen anything about that. But then I thought I heard people say like, oh, well, he said the same sort of thing before in in an interview, but with different words, but equating the same sort of thing as for why he hadn't ha been in touch with his daughter that he hadn't spoken for like a year or something, but. Regardless, either way, it's it's very jarring, you know, because uh, well, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a context. I think I I hope that's the case, because uh, you're not going to make any friends with a lot of people saying stuff like that. I mean, I'm not a father. I'm I don't. Everybody tells me, oh, once it happens, you're going to realize that, you know, it's the greatest thing in the world and life is totally different. And then to hear somebody say differently, you know, then you're like, okay, you know. I think, but. look, dude, I think that's the reality of this, man, and that's why it's it's such a difficult sport because you're right, man. Being a, being a dad does change everything, man. It changes everything, and not just instantly, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. But the connection that you have and the connection you build, it's unbelievable. Man. My son makes me smile in a way, makes me makes – me, I mean, I'm just so proud of him when I see him do things. I, he, he moves my heart when he comes and sure hugs me, you know what I mean? I'm very proud, too. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got a, son, you got a, you got a cute a little kid. Son of a bitch. I no, like uh, his little shoes that he had at the uh, the little wheelies, the little wheelie things the wheelies or whatever. Are cool. But the thing is, like, it does, it does. Move, but I, I think that I mean, what I understood from Darren is he's, he's saying, "Listen, man, I, I, I mean, this sport, mixed martial arts, dude. You, I think you have to be selfish. I yeah. think you have to be selfish to succeed. You have to be so single-minded, so right. focused, so dialed in." And to me, I thought that's what he was saying. Like, listen, there is nothing else in my life right now that I'm thinking about more than this right here. Not, like, I hate my kid. Right. I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like he but got take, a lot of yeah. grief for that for no reason. If you take him on his words, literally what he said, that's exactly what he was saying. Was like, I'm not thinking about this. I don't care about this. It's about this and my legacy. Even if it's a metaphor, even if it's just speaking out, it's just it's hard for people to hear because right. it sounds so different than what you would think anybody of right mind would say unless there was some whatever underlying reason why. But, yeah, it's just uh, 
I don't know, it was just a bit jarring, but I, I mean, just for the fact that, I mean, there were four or five media members kind of afterwards sort of looking at each They're other like, did, like, did really we just that? really hear <laughs> what we thought we did? So I, I knew at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not just mistaking or I just didn't hear something that I'm a little confused. Uh, there are a lot of people confused, but typically when somebody says something like that, you usually catch themselves and will clarify it. Like, I'm not know, saying I don't care. What I'm yeah. saying is, I mean, yeah. But there wasn't any of that, you know, and so you kind of leave that door open, you know, but I mean, that's one focused individual, but you know, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I, I feel like I want to see the best in people. So sometimes I put good thoughts and say, oh, he just misspoke. Right. When maybe that's not the case. You know, I, I want mean, to see I the best. The same thing. I, I, I feel know. like I'm always the eternal optimist in people. Right. And Naive I've had great maybe. talks with the guy. I mean, like, why would I think he wouldn't want to? But I mean, his, his, and I mean, I guess this is sort of bad. Like, you know, his family life is not my business. Right. You know, so who am I to pry what the relations are? You know, I have my own issues and we all have our, maybe not the best family relations. You know, I could have somebody be like, why don't you stay in touch with your brothers and sisters? You're a terrible human being. Life just gets in the way, you know. I mean, shit happens, you know. When you get focused on your career, a lot of things fall off to the side, you know. And if that's the case where he's chosen his career and he's chosen the immediate life in front of him, that's his focus and he wants this legacy. And that's where his life and his universe revolves around, where I think a lot of other people that would take offense to it, their lives change when they have the kids. That becomes their their world, their their career is about bettering their child's life. You know, everything sort of switches. But I think there are some cases out there where people aren't willing to uh, – like I personally don't really want to have kids because I am focused on my career. I'm focused right. on my life. Right. I've just never had the desire to, to want to raise a little me. He'd be a one hell of a hellion anyways <laughs> if he followed even a fraction or whatever. Yep. So, you know, for me uh, – it's not a it's not a big deal in my mind the thought of not having kids around at this point in my life so um i could see where somebody else caught up in the career can can do the same thing but luckily i had that decision i knew i wasn't going to have kids so i i don't have kids and choosing to not pay attention to right. them you know um but who knows you know i i personally hope it was uh just a, a confusion on our part as to what was said but i think you're all confused you know but but who knows confused you know son of a bath no, i tell you what I, I will say this though I, and we talked about this too uh i i think you know you and i had said on a previous episode the first time that that darren till and, Ty and tyron Willie <laughs> stands next and tyron woodley stand next to each other i think he people is, are gonna go yeah. oh my god yeah that's exactly what happened he people were like so big oh my god now, granted, as the fight comes, he's gonna have to cut weight. And he's gonna have to yep. lean down and all that. Yep. But yeah, dude, he's so does Tyron. He's huge, but so does Tyron. Yeah, fair. But Tyron was. I was glad to see him. Uh, maybe it's because it got to the point where it was like this fight is happening. You can't not take this fight. You have to whatever. I loved seeing uh, a little pep back in his step. You know, because I feel like the last couple of times we've seen him when he's been on the fence, he wasn't quite whatever, you know, was uh, coming back from injury. You know, there was just not the right fight playing out. Um, he didn't have that. There was a little spark. There's yeah. a little something missing. But when we saw him at the behind the, at the backstage and the other interviews and even seen him up on the stage, uh, you saw it. I saw it. And uh, 
fires back. Yeah, I get, and I'm excited to see that because Tyron is a, he's a fun fighter to watch. As much as people like to bitch and moan how some fights have played out, he always has that explosive factor that you know you could be moments away of watching a knockout, of watching something happen, and to see a fight come in where he feels the challenge and. Uh, he knows he has a formidable opponent, and he has this mutual respect for him. I'm looking forward to see what what focus he brings into this fight. So I'm excited. I, I mean, I know some people, you know, maybe recently haven't been the biggest fan of Tyron for whatever particular reason. But um, I've always been a fan. But I'm always I'm super excited about um, an excited Tyron. Not just a uh, I'm going through the motions or this fight means nothing. Yep. Blah blah blah. I mean, seeing him and Colby fighting that would have been fun. Yeah, because there's heat, and it yeah. just you know you kind of want to see who's gonna shut up who, you know. But this is just a different one where because now it's like you, you kind of got champ, but he's kind of like this underdog now. Weirdly, so it's like, is the old lion gonna to to beat the new lion, the young lion? And uh, I it's, dig it. I'm, I'm excited. excited, and it's in Dallas too. It's in my hometown, yeah. so I'm I'm excited to get there. Uh, I, I want to ask pecan you. Pecan Lodge. Oh, we're going to do a little Pecan Lodge. <laughs> Definitely we're doing some Pecan Lodge. Uh, all right. Uh, I did want to ask you. Kind of on the spot. I hadn't, I hadn't asked you this, but uh, we saw on social media today. Well, we saw the other night when we were at the Ultimate Fighter Gym for Dana, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series fights. Um, we saw a bunch of the, the Ultimate Fighter 1 guys milling about there, right? Uh, yeah. And we were like, what the hell's going on? And then social media came out today that they all went and had a dinner together on Wednesday night, and I guess the whole thing was filmed, and this is one of those uh, documentaries. Earlier this week, Dana White was on the UFC Unfiltered podcast and mm -hmm. just kind of dropped a little nugget. Uh, they're doing 25 documentaries um, to celebrate the 25th anniversary. Um, I, that was the first I had heard about it. Had you heard anything that, that all now, these documentaries were coming? And now I'm wondering if Fiasco maybe dropped a hint to us before, because I, I feel like maybe he did or didn't, but no, I mean – you know, if it did, it went it went in one ear and yeah. completely out the other. But no, I'm kind I of no excited idea. about that, man. I love I love historical stuff, revisiting yeah. stuff. You know, I mean, obviously they have access to all the archives, they have access to all the people. So I'm kind of excited about that. Yeah. Like seeing seeing what they come up with the documentaries. The tough one one will be great because uh, is this all done internally? No, apparently they got like some kind. Of, they they hired like directors, like external directors, wow. to do these things and stuff. So they throw money into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty fired up. I don't. So I don't maybe know. Maybe it really will be a documentary. I don't know if they'll release them in November at the 25th anniversary show, or I, I don't know what huh. they're doing. But um, yeah, dude, I'm pretty stoked about Start that. 25 days. Because I love like like 30 for 30 content and yeah. stuff like that. Like that's one of the things. Like I already have an ESPN Plus membership. Um, just because like when they made their announcement, I was like, well, hell, that I'll go ahead and sign up. I I uh I don't watch much of anything on there except the the thirty for thirty content, man. Uh -huh. Like it's just because they have them all yeah. archived and it's cool to kind of revisit all that stuff, you know. That's good series. Yeah, really good. So um I don't know. I cool. have high hopes for it. I'm excited for that. Uh, all right, listen. So here uh we mentioned that we were uh, or at least I was today at the Performance Institute to interview Yana Kuniskaya, and I figured you know what the hell the video isn't even out yet, um but it will be tomorrow probably. But it's on MSN.com. It's on MSN.com. They have it. <laughs> MSN MMA has it. Um, <laughs> but I figured I would play it um, because it, it, it might be my worst interview. Maybe? Oh, I thought you were going to say your best interview. Might be my worst. Really? I don't know. She wasn't. She wasn't uh... No, she's good. She's good. It's not her. No, it's not her. It's me. Whoa. It's me. It's me. Let's just leave it at that. Yana Kunskaya and John Morgan crashing. So Yanni, you've, you've been in Vegas for over a week already here training and, and working out. What's, uh, what's it been like for you so far? 
Uh, I think I hear like two months already. Yeah. It's been that long? <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, two months. I was going here, then I was went. Uh, I went to Thailand for a few weeks to like spend time with my son, and then I come back here and I'll stay until my fight. I will stay here for full camp. Wow, very cool. That's a big decision to make. So, how did you come to the decision that you wanted to have your your training camp here? Uh, I was the first time before my fight here in Vegas and uh, I like the institute and everything very comfortable. They're giving us everything like nutritionist, all physiotherapy and training and everything very good for things for recovery. So it's like perfect place to train here. Very nice. What about coaches? Have you brought coaches out here with you or you have, are you working with other gyms? What, what coaches are you working with? Uh, I was working now with my main coach, Ray Sefa and like with wrestling coach, grappling coach and some coach from Extreme Couture and here from Performance Institute. Very cool. So it's kind of a unique opportunity, right? To, to be here in Las Vegas and, and to, be, to be preparing for this long for the fight. Is, is, it, is it fun or is it difficult to be away? Uh, I like long camp and first because I have like big weight cut and uh, I like when it's like two months or like 10 weeks, it's perfect. When I'm eating clean and weight going like slowly down, I feel very good in fight in this case. And I'm so happy that I don't need travel, which is like made weight cut much more easy. I will stay here in Vegas and here in institute. They like helping with everything for this for weight cut. So I'm like so happy for this opportunity. Very cool. Where are you living? Did you get an apartment or a hotel or a friend? What are you doing? Uh, I, I have place to stay here. <laughs> Very cool. What, what's the heat like for you though? This is a tough time of year to be in Las Vegas. I like when it's hot, like back home in Russia it's always raining, cold and it's like terrible. You need warm your car like half hour before going to somewhere. I always enjoy it. always like because the rain always, you know, have a problem with nose, cold and like temperature. You know. I like when it's hot. I can have tan in weekend, like swim in swimming pool. So it's like so nice here. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I want to ask you, your USC debut, tough situation, you came in on short notice, you moved up a weight class, but I don't know, when you, when you think back, how do you remember that? Are, were you happy with yourself? Were you disappointed? What, what do you think about it? I'm sure I'm not happy with my performance, but I think this fight like helped me a lot mental because nothing can be worse than this. I, mean, I got everything like <laughs> most complicated situation, yeah. I, I, now I'm gonna fight in my weight class, I have long time for preparing. Uh, and uh, it's I don't need have I don't have this like pressure on me, so it's everything will be much more easy. That's I, I think it's helping mental. I was gonna say I mean what lessons can you take out right because like you said it's not your weight class it's a yeah, it's, it's the toughest fighter. Full time media from like first day when they say that they're gonna fight the next day they start filming me so I was all time like in front of camera all this time yeah it was hard. <laughs> do you regret it at all or do you feel like it was the right choice for you? And to be honest, I didn't have like choose. I, I can't say no, so it's was only only think what I can do. So very nice. I, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about since then. Did you take a little vacation, or did you did you get right back into training? Yeah, I went back home for one month, and then I, I wanted to fight as much um, as soon as I can, but they give me fight only now, and I'm happy that it's like big event and I'm so happy for this opportunity. 
Yeah, you ended up on UFC 229, which is going to be right the biggest card of the year with Habib. I'm and so happy. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, so was there any part of you that wanted to be on that card in Russia before before you knew about this opportunity? Yeah, first I wanted to fight early, but uh, UFC was asking me to fight in fight in this card in Russia, and I was thinking that yes, it will be like nice because it's first show, big things, but. Uh, you know, we have uh, traditional mentality in Russia that women can't fight and all the things. So I think they were a little bit afraid to put women fight. And uh, but I'm in the end, I'm happy because it will be bigger show. And Habib, my favorite fighter, so I'm like so happy that I'm gonna have the chance to fight in uh, the same card. He's your favorite fighter. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited to to go to Moscow and see the UFC debut. How big of a star is Habib in Russia? I mean, I don't think we understand. He's he's pretty big, right? Yeah, but uh, you know, like I may not as much popular as here, so I'm not sure where he more popular in Russia or here. Sure, like in Dagestan, he's very popular, like in his area, and uh, a lot of people know him in Russia, but. I think he popular here too in America, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Do you think uh, at some point you'll be able to fight in Russia? I mean, is that a, is that a goal? Because obviously it's not going to be just one event. There's going to be many. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I think uh, I'm pretty sure that they'll fight like one day we'll fight in Russia. <laughs> I, th I think it will be like successful event, and uh, I think we have very big market and people uh, interesting about uh, MMA and especially about UFC. So I think the show will be successful and there will be, it will be easy market for UFC. Very cool. Well, in the meantime, you've got Lena Landsberg. Um, what do you think about her as an opponent? Because uh, she's been in some very tough fights, right? She hasn't won every fight, but she is she is very tough. Yeah, I, I like this matchup and uh, uh, I like her as a fighter. I like her like uh, maybe as a person. I don't know her personally, but I like what woman, you know. She looks like a woman, she has like, tough fights and she... Uh, I like her and I, I think we're gonna show good fights and I'm sure that they can dominate her everywhere. Uh, I see myself like more strong in every position in wrestling and grappling and we can like make good stand-up fight. So I think it's very nice uh, chance for me. Yeah, stylistically the two of you together looks like it should be pretty fun, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I think it's gonna be an action-packed fight. I mean, do you feel like you have to get yourself ready for an action-packed fight? Because even when she's lost, She's she's put a lot of effort in. Yeah, but uh, every fight you're giving, like in every camp you're giving everything, uh, and you're trying to be ready for every situation. Especially that you never can be sure that you fight this opponent. A lot of times they, they change you. Anyone can be injured or anything can happen. So we're preparing for everything. In a lot of ways, does this feel more like kind of your real UFC debut? I mean, I know you can't take away what happened, but do you feel more like, okay, now I get yeah. to show people who I am? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah? Yeah. What do you think, I mean, do, when you think back to that, are you, I mean, do you wish that maybe people hadn't seen you that way, that that's the first way they've introduced you, or, or do you feel like, you know, th th this is an opportunity for them to get to know who you really are? Uh, you know, I'm trying always to think positive and not reading bad comments and to be honest, I'm not care what, what anyone's thinking, like, is it bad or good, it's only, it was the only way to do this thing, so. Very cool. Well, it's going to be a big stage, it's going to be a big card. How do you see yourself getting your hand raised that night? Uh, I'm like, uh, not feel precious at this big card, I'm so happy and happy that I have this opportunity to motivate me, like, so much to train and I'm happy that I'm uh, staying here in Vegas and have everything uh, for preparing for this fight. I have long time 
at the good camp. Like I'm so excited. <laughs> In fairness, in fairness, I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning to start working. Uh, I had to cover the site. I went to the Dana White's Contender Series Brazil weigh-ins. And then I went to the Performance Institute. And then I did the interview. And I thought Yana was fine. But uh, when I started out by asking her if she had been here a little more than a week and found out it was two months. Wow. That was a little embarrassing. That was a little embarrassing. Yeah. And then, and then I think... At when when I asked her where she was staying, she kind of gave me a look like, why is that pertinent information? <laughs> and I thought maybe it would lead to a, a funny story of staying in a hotel or some silly room service stories or <laughs> sleeping on somebody's couch. Sto- I, I don't know. I thought it would be funny. Yeah. But I think somewhere in the translation, it was like, this is highly inappropriate of you to be asking me where I'm staying. And Trying I, to and slide I felt, up in them DMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt a little awkward. Now, she did she did fantastic. She was a great interview, but uh, I, I think I dropped the ball. Yeah. It's the same question, like you said, that you probably could have delivered 15 times, maybe with the energy level. Maybe it maybe came off better. separately instead of where if you had a little more energy, you might be like, you know, so so where are you staying? You know, you... you at a, on, mm-hmm. on a fighter's couch. <laughs> yeah, I don't you know. know. I, just, yeah. I, was, I don't know. It was bad. But I will say, yeah. uh, Yana Kuniskaya staying here, as she said, until UFC 229, doing her whole camp here. Uh, man, athletes are starting to oh. buy in more and more and yeah. more to the UFC Performance Institute. And as she said, I mean, why the hell not? Everything you right. need is there. Just not even having to prepare your meals. You know, she showed up to meet me, and she's like, hey, uh, I know they we said this free. time. They, they eat for eat free, right? 100% free. And not it's only crazy. do they eat for free – but it's not like they have to go pick out their own meals. Like the nutritionist will plan an entire pl- plan for them and tell them, hey, this is what you need. And then the food is, they eat the food for free and then they take food home. For t- I mean, it's not even about like saving money. It's just the execution of not having to worry yeah. about any of that stuff. I mean, but certainly saving money. I mean, saving well. the money. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking about like, well, I mean, I guess it adds up. You know, if you're talking. It sure does. Especially with the type of organic products they're buying and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you're talking, I guess, even if you were buying from the grocery store and cooking for yourself, still probably easy, what, 30 bucks a day yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I was going like to say that. easy, 20, 30, yeah, and then 30-ish if you're, dollars. If you're using the meal plan people, I mean, it could go even more. But yeah. So, I mean, yeah, but I, I think the money that they save is one thing, but it's just the simplicity of like yeah. – nothing you know not having to worry about preparing anything or doing anything so um look a a lot of people are there man and and again we're starting to talk to the pi folks a little bit more and and hopefully we can stop by and and, um and talk to people hopefully they they won't um well i'm not gonna say they gave me the information i i thought she'd only been there a week she's yeah i gonna say well hopefully she won't be creeped out when she sees again you have plenty more time to creep her out while she's here in Vegas before 229. <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, all right. Uh, Next time, I'll try to drop in the question. Yeah. So, you know, you're staying somewhere. You know, like, where you staying? Where you staying, girl? Where you staying, girl? <sighs> Fucking sounds stupid. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, uh, <laughs> we talked about Dana White's Contender Series Brazil. Uh, just so everybody knows, because I had a lot of questions about it. Uh, I am going to the fight. Um, I, I have been, uh, you know, I, I went to the weigh-ins this morning. There's more weigh-ins tomorrow. Uh, there's fights on Friday. There's fights on Saturday. Those will not air for a couple of weeks, they'll be edited, uh, and then they'll be, they'll air in Globo 
uh, in Brazil. But my understanding is they will be um, archived on Fight Pass. At the same time, they will have. Are they airing it live on Globo? No, no, no. They're taping Nothing. everything. Everything's being taped. Yeah, and then they'll they'll stream it or they'll air it in Globo, and then they'll uh, you know they'll they'll archive it on UFC Fight Pass. Uh, and I was told the UFC Fight Pass version will have subtitles and all that. So um, we'll see. There was some talent there this morning. They've had they man they've had problems getting people visas. The travels travel's been nuts. They have been scrambling bad to get everything done. Um, I was told that you know the people they lost they felt like they replaced with pretty good replacements. Uh, and they're excited about, but um, it, it has been a, a, a yeah. headache and a half for that crew. Definitely no shortage of, of good fighters in Brazil. But, yeah, when it comes down to being able to get your visa stuff together and, you know, it's – I mean, we've we've seen what it takes to get visas places. It's not easy to do. And uh, without the right, uh, you know, team to kind of get ahead of the ball and do this sort of stuff, it's a tough lift. So, yep. you know, I can see where – you know, a lot of them, you know, might have unfortunately had fallen to the yeah, wayside. Yeah, 30 fighters that had to give visas. A lot of fighters. It's a lot. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll have that. Uh, we won't be able to talk about it at all uh, until the air, but we'll have full coverage of it when it does. Um, he's specked. He's specked. He's specked. <laughs> I like it. Uh, other than that, it's going to be a long couple of weeks. Yeah. Bear with us. Um, more changes are probably coming at, at MMA Junkie, but – Right now we got two of our guys on vacation and it's uh it's making it hard. <laughs> I gotta get up again at four AM tomorrow Oof. and the day after that. Well good thing we're that. taping early. You can you can go to B dubs early tonight I know. and then go and then uh and then uh get some sleepy sleep. That's the plan. <laughs> Couple more of these frosty beverages, hit the road, sleepy sleep. Sleepy sleep. Four AM in the morning. So if anybody's up at four AM in the morning, wants to holler at your boy on Twitter, hit me up. In the meantime, thanks for listening.